I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. In towards Brian Murphy. It's hit the post. It's gone out, but it's all over. And Galway are the All Ireland champions from 1998. Galway have won their eighth All-Ireland final, captained by Ray Silk. And including in their ranks many stars, Mick O'Dwyer trying to congratulate the opposite man, John O'Mahony. O'Mahony's men have prevailed. It's Galway's day. So O'Mahony's men have prevailed, Connor. This is the 1998 final. Um, really good final, it has to be said. Galway completely um, took over the second half. We'll get to that in part two. It was a novelty final. Because um, it was Galway's first All-Ireland in 32 years. And of course, poor Kildare were trying to win their first since 1928. So no matter what happened, I don't think anybody expected both teams to be in the final. Whatever happened, there was going to be a new kind of novelty All-Ireland winner. Yeah, I had always hoped that headline that you just said there, Willie, would apply to Mayo, O'Mahony's men end the drought or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, like it, it was a novelty final. And when you think about it, that uh, Galway hadn't won one, I think, since 1966. Or 19, yeah, 1966, yeah. when they won the three in a row. Obviously, Kildare went back went back a long way than that. But like with no no offence to Kildare, they had the tradition of, of winning All-Ireland finals like Galway had, let's say. And by that stage, I know we, we hadn't got into the new millennium or anything like that, but Galway's drought was was nearly as as long as Mayo's was at that stage. Mayo Mayo had been in, won the final in fifty one and then got to finals in eighty nine, ninety six, ninety seven. So it was beginning to be like it was a long time for Galway. And like the, what I hadn't realised until I was looking back on it was that Galway had actually lost um, four finals in between winning the three in a row in in nineteen sixty six and then before getting to the final again in in ninety eight, which was which is very unlike them because I suppose Galway had a tradition of of winning, but it was very not it was a novel final. And it lived up, lived up to the bidding as a novel final because we talked about the 96 replay last week, which when we look back on it, wasn't that great. And then, to be honest, the 97 final is probably even worse, for, definitely from a Mayo point of view, with, with Morris Fitz putting in one of the all-time great individual performances. But quality-wise, it wasn't great. So I think in terms of the ones that went before, certainly the two years before, this one was a step above. 
Yeah, you've, I have to say fair play to you for mentioning Mayo twice already um, <laughs> on, a, on a show where we're going to be talking about dollars. Well, they, they were actually two to one on favourites, so they were. Like, I mean, they were completely unbackable favourites. They had just beaten the three previous All-Ireland champions, Dublin, Kerry and Mead. Um, you know, it was Mikko versus Pawdy in the semi-final and they got over that. And maybe in a little way, Kildare kind of thought they had the hard work done and probably didn't prob- understand the kind of quality goal we had. And I don't think the whole country did, Connor, because like they had those five under twenty ones that came through, Divoli, Savage, Joyce, Donlan, Meehan, and they were kind of unknown nationwide until that day, until that all Ireland final. Yeah, absolutely. And like apologies for mentioning Mayo once again, Wally, but like <laughs> uh there was a there was a big win for uh for Galway in that um in that ninety eight. It was the it was the first day out in, in Castlebar and it's um uh we might get to it, but like if 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 anyone has a chance to watch back a year till Sunday on it's the it's the documentary of that year and it's brilliant. And it's hard for me to say that as a Mayo man, but but Mayo uh Galway bet Mayo who had obviously been in the previous two finals in Castlebar and they did it with that young team. Now, at the time, like obviously, we can look back now and say that the the, the players you mentioned there, Divoli, Joyce, um, Derek Savage, uh, Declan Meehan, went on to be gee, icons, like some of the some of the Galway's some of the Galway's best players, let's say. But at that stage, nobody kind of nobody knew how you know how good they were going to be. Yeah, I suppose as well as that, Kildare probably got you know they they came from a province at that stage. I mean, you know, definitely compared to now. But Leinster was very competitive back then, as 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 you well know, Willie. With like after Dublin won a few in the early nineties, you were looking at Mead won in ninety six, I think Offaly won in ninety seven, then Kildare won in in ninety eight. So like it, it, there was no dominance like there is now. So so to get out of Leinster then was was a big deal as well. And then as you said, beating beating Kerry at any stage, but especially a Kerry team. Especially with Mikko involved, that had won the All Ireland the year before, probably lulled them into a false sense of security. And then, uh, and again, we'll get to this, but the first half probably didn't help. Where I thought Kildare were on top and didn't didn't kind of make the most of their dominance. But but Galway really they really pulled it out of the fire in the second half and probably could have ended up more comfortable winners than they ended up being. Yeah, it was Tomas Meehan actually. Declan Meehan didn't Tomas come Meehan. on. Yeah, he didn't come for another uh, few years. He was on the under or the two thousand one um, winning team. We actually beat the Galway under twenty ones that year in Longford in Pierce Park in the All Ireland semi final. Had all those under twenty ones um, on it, but you could see that day uh, standing head and shoulders above everybody. That day was Porrick Joyce. He was unbelievable. He was playing midfield um, with Michael Donlan. And you're just thinking this lad's just on another level. He was absolutely unbelievable. Like, you know, he was just an all-rounder, could actually play midfield that day, you know. But it, mm. it was a, it was a breed of new players to put five players into that team with two of them. I'm talking Joyce and Donlan being, you know, Hall of Famers, let's call them. Yeah, uh, had you played it with Park Joyce at that stage? Uh, did you play with Park Joyce at Tralee as well, Willie? Uh, or maybe not at that stage? No, I did. No, '99, I played. I played with him in Tralee. Oh, so, so that was so. So that dream partnership was yet to come. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you're right about the kind of the and not just these weren't just any players as we as we talked about in terms of ability. But look at look at where they were in the team as well. Okay, the most mean was a cornerback, but Jude. John Divley is the centre back, is the rock of the team there at centre back. You had Porrick Joyce at full forward, and you had Michael Donlan, who, although he was wearing ten, you know, in the final and, and would have worn ten and twelve, flitted between ten and twelve for Galway for years, was basically was basically everywhere and and was unmarkable on his day and certainly on this day as well. So so to arrive with um to arrive with that to have a team with that level of you know you're lucky if you get you're lucky if if an under twenty one team develops. Maybe 
two to three starters, but to develop five and, and five of that caliber was was unheard of. And, and like they obviously went on to, to inspire Galway to, to the success that they had that year. Yeah, I was on Hill 16 for this one because the Leash Miners were going for three minor All-Irelands in a row in 1998. They lost to Tyrone, a pretty unbelievable Tyrone team um, who went on to great things. And I, I do remember Sonia Sullivan. I don't know what she won in 1998, but she did a lap of honour um, around the stadium and she started down at the canal end and she got a huge ovation off the Galway fans down there and all the flags and everything and then ran up in front of the Cusick stand and got a huge ovation there and then came around to Hill 16 to where all the Kildare fans were and the, the Leash, uh, some of the Leash fans and then took off her jumper to reveal a Kildare jersey. So she, oh, no. <laughs> she totally double-crossed the Galway fans down on the other terrace. She got all the adulation and with a Kildare jersey hidden under her under her jumper. I think her grandfather had a pub in Kildare or something. She has their connections anyways, but uh, it's definitely a memory of that one. It was Mikko Dwyer's 21st All-Ireland Final and unfortunately his last. Jesus. That, that was very devious of Sonia O'Sullivan. That, that's, a, that's a very tenuous connection, I would say, between uh, <laughs> between Kildare and Cork. Um, I did, maybe there's something in the Larry Tompkins connection and a couple other players that went from Kildare to Cork. But uh, just on watch, I think she had won the, she may have won or got a silver, I think, at the World Championships Gothenburg around that time because it was obviously just after Atlanta as well but uh, but talk about that was obviously planned out you know to go to the Galway oh, yeah. first imagine yeah. she went the other way around <laughs> I, I would feel I would feel cheated on if I was cheering her only to reveal a Kildare <laughs> jersey then but Mikko took Mikko took a little bit of criticism after this game um, it was the decision to play Sauce Dowling on Michael Donnan it was one of the biggest talk about Sauce was Kildare's oldest uh, defender. He wouldn't have been on it, only their fullback Quinn was injured and uh, John Finn went in at fullback on Porrick Choice. But then I was thinking, geez, my memories of that is, geez, Sass took an awful doing off uh, Michael Donlin. And then when you're looking at the, at the game back, Donlin first unbelievable run, you know, the iconic one that set up Sean yeah. O'Pair, where he, he actually got the ball from a knockdown from uh, Tomás Mannion in yeah. the full back line. Yeah. And like, I mean, he was dropping so deep. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be too critical of Sauce not for following him all the way back there. Like a wing back usually wouldn't follow him all the way. And then Donlan made his break in the field and straight up the middle as Sauce was trying to kind of come across and close in on him. And it was Eddie McCormack actually tried to follow Donlan. He went forward, hand passed the ball off and then it was a brilliant, brilliant point. And then his second point off, or his first point off Sauce came from John Divoli uh, clearance. Um, we're going to call John uh, Divley, John Delivery. The uh, <laughs> boar's head was telling me to call him that. And we'll get to him in, pa in part two because his passes were just off the charts. They were incredibly brilliant. And his, his, his long pass was blocked down. And Donlan just nipped in ahead and flicked it on with his foot. And then he was away, you know, and then they made the switch. You know, and it, and it was Anthony Rainbow really took the scutch it off Michael Donnelly, but everybody kind of remembers it for Sass Dowland taking an awful do, you know what I mean, doing off yeah. Michael Donnelly. I think I counted 12 minutes last night when Anthony Rainbow was given the, the what must, must to be the, the worst job ever in an All-Ireland final. Here, mate, it's your turn to go over to uh, Michael Donnelly, who's obviously flying. But it was so Sass Dowling only had, uh, only had 12 minutes. At that stage, listen, Michael Donnelly was beating them to everyone. He'd beaten them to everything. But Michael Donnelly would have been beating everyone, anybody to anything at that stage. As you said, that iconic solo run that he did, he got the ball with his back to goal, going towards his own goal in the 13. 
And like if people are blaming, blaming Sosta, I mean, he must have bet. He must have ran past six players, including Dermot Early at the start. I think Willie McCreary, maybe, maybe Niall Buckley in there as well before laying it off to Derek Savage. Derek Savage gives a little dink pass to, to Sean Ogdepoir. But, uh, but, but that's like, I'd, maybe, maybe Mikko didn't have a plan for, you know, Michael Donnell in advance and he could be criticised for that, but he can't be criticised for the fact that Sass Dowling was left on him for the whole game because the fact is he wasn't. He wasn't even left on him for half of the first half. So, you know, we might get into whether Mikko deserved criticism for maybe some tactics in general, but if he's to be isolated for that alone, I think that would be very harsh. Yeah, no, it definitely would be harsh. Jeez, Niall Buckley had an absolute nightmare, so he did. Like, I mean, he was their talisman. He was their, their main player in midfield. And he just constantly gave the ball away. Like, I mean, it was incredible. Just launching balls. I'd say poor uh, Martin Lynch got taken off on account of Buckley giving him some terrible ball. And Buckley was so poor in the first half, I think Mikko was kind of subtly telling him to cop on. Mikko, Marty Morrissey said in the mm. sideline, Mikko offered Buckley a new pair of boots. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. I, I, just on that Buckley, uh, Willie, I... Okay, I, I can't disagree with the fact that he was a bit wasteful in possession and stuff like that. But I would I would ascribe that to many more players on the Kildare team than Niall Buckley. And I thought it was a tactic. I thought that there was very little direction to a lot of the ball being played into the full forward line. And I think they were in probably general, told. Yeah. yeah, I think they were probably told to just let it in. And in fairness to Niall Buckley, when I was looking back on it last night, I can't remember. And you know, this is a good thing and a bad thing because he wasted a lot of it. But I can't remember be, anyone being on the ball more for Kildare than Niall Buckley. And there was a couple of times, you know, when, when Kildare were flagging badly in the second half that I thought, if nothing else, he got on the ball. He kicked a score, I think, off his left foot. Now, in fairness to him, he, he tried to kick a few more scores that went wide. But like whatever about the quality of his performance, I don't think you can accuse him of, uh, of giving up, let's say. No. I'll, I'll say that in his credit. No, and in fairness to him, he was crying after the game. The cameras panned on him. He was inconsolable. But, like, I mean, he was just on so much ball. It was sticking out yeah. a mile. Because I was like, he'll hardly just drive this one. And he did. you're right, he scored a point. It was off his right. He played a 1-2 mm. with uh, with Brennan, Park Brennan, who had come on as a sub. And I was just like, why don't you just play those kind of controlled balls? Like, everything doesn't have to be launched. But, again, maybe you're right. Maybe that was the, the direction uh, they were given. Um, John Finn. How did he stay on the field? Like, I mean, in the second minute, he led with the elbow straight into Niall Finnegan's jaw. The referee clearly saw it because he gave Niall Finnegan a free. Um, Finnegan ended up putting the free wide. And then on the same player again in the second half, he's Finnegan's completely true on goals. And Finn comes out of nowhere. Again, elbow straight up at the side of the head. And it was that big of a hit that Finnegan... Probably he he kicked it wide from about twenty one meters out straight in front of the goals. Yeah, it did detract from Neil Finnegan. We'll we'll get to that as well. And not only did it not detract from his performance, but it did knock a, a hair out of place in his head. And at the in the in the late nineties, Neil Finnegan had one of the most iconic spiky haircuts in the GA I think I've ever seen, as well as the the collar that he used to wear up, but didn't disappointingly for this final that I noticed last night. But but you're right, like I what I thought when watching it back last night. First of all, it was that there was, especially early stages, there was a level of intensity that impressed me for that era. I didn't think that, you know, I, I like I would have I would have said that, that 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 kind of level of intensity probably didn't arrive until maybe the Tyrone team of the early to mid 2000s. But also that John Bannon let everything go. You could not buy a free off John off John Bannon in the 98 final. He was not there was no <laughs> there was no soft ones going anyway. So and the thing about that early as well as rightly or wrongly, that was two minutes into the game. And John Bannon has said, no, he didn't even 
caution uh, John Finn. He didn't even tick him. But he's probably thinking at this stage, I'm not giving a red card. <laughs> probably with memories of the brawl from 96, a couple of years earlier, where there was two red cards dished out early. So John Finn was a lucky boy. But like that day, I'd say there was plenty of other lucky people because John Bannon was was not giving Anton away easy. Yeah, no, that's true. Come here, Connor. We'll leave it there because Niall Finnegan actually joins us on the line now. Come here. Um, Niall, what was John Finn's problem with you? <laughs> well, I, I thought it was, I thought he was bar- marking Mikey D, uh, Mikey Donlan, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't recall uh, uh, specifically getting hit by John. But I know he was in the he was in the Air Force, so maybe he had both wings up at, uh, <laughs> on, the, on both those hits. But uh, and certainly he was uh, uh, he was a formidable opponent. So uh, if uh, if he did connect, then uh, I would have been in trouble. But uh, that was it. It was a very, uh, it was a very clean game from from memory. I think it was uh, John Bannon was the yeah. referee. I met, uh, I used to see John at uh, various race meetings uh, throughout the during the year. I think he was a big man for the the flash, like myself, Leperstown and the Curra and whatnot. And I had a good chat with him at uh, John O'Manny's book launch there up in Balladrine a couple of years ago. So he did an excellent job refereeing the match, and I think it was a, a very good, uh, it was a very uh, clean and open game from 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 my memory, uh, albeit 22 years ago now at this stage. Yeah, no, it definitely was. You were two to one out on outsiders. Like, I mean, all the talk was about mm-hmm. Kildare and Mikkel and they'd beaten the last three All-Ireland champions. You know, it, you were kind of coming on, in under the radar with five new fellas on your team that most of the country might not have known an awful lot about. That's true. I mean, uh, Leicester was, uh, let's be fair, was a good bit stronger than uh, Connacht at the time. They had uh, Mead and Offaly were strong at the time. Offaly took us in the... Uh, the league quarterfinal fairly comfortably earlier on in the year and I suppose uh, notwithstanding that Mayo had got to two Ireland Ireland finals um, Galway hadn't been on the national scene uh, since uh, well for a long period of time uh, at final level not since 1983 and uh, we had got to semi in 1995 beaten by Peter Canavan inspired Tyrone but um, yeah I mean uh, Kildare under Mikko was uh, it was a wave of euphoria and uh, they had they taken out uh, Kerry, I think, in the the who were reigning All Ireland champions in the semi final and quite comfortably, really. So they were on the crest of a wave and were quite rightly uh, favourites. I didn't realise we were that rank outsiders, but um, look at we we came with the a wet tail was uh, we'd have a good run through Connacht. I think the uh, the mayor match was shown recently on TG Gar. I was uh, I got a load of texts. I was out. Uh, uh, golfing in uh, power scorch. Uh, it was a nice, nice afternoon, so I didn't get to see it. But uh, uh, we that was in the the first round of the Connacht Championship. Had a, a you know a good run through Connacht. A very difficult Connacht final against uh, very tough opponents, Ross Common. Uh, only beat them in the, after a replay down the hide. And then I suppose it was a, a low key uh, victory against Derry in the semi final. So we came in under the radar, and as you. Uh, correctly pointed out there we had a blend of youth and experience and in particular the young lads were probably an unknown quantity uh, in, in in terms of the national stage at that stage obviously they'd come up through the ranks and you know everyone knows their names you got your uh, Paul Clancy Derek Savage Small Smee and Decky Mee and Tommy and Porch Joyce uh, and Mikey Donlan of course and probably forgetting a few there uh, but they had you know uh, you know, they won the Hogan Cup and it got very close in the Ireland minor. And a few of them had played with the, the older brigade in '97 under Val Daly and Jerry Fay. 
and uh, just bit by Mayo and Tumen in a cracking game. So, uh, and as I said earlier, we've been beaten by uh, Offaly in the league quarterfinals. So, the, in terms of the national exposure, uh, the young brigade hadn't really played their hands. So, we had a number of aces in the pack. Uh, so, that was probably yeah, That was probably the reason that the, the odds were so skewed on that day. Yeah, but, um, yeah exactly. Were you, were you sitting around in 1996? Um, you know, it was a really good Mayo team around. You had a good team too. You won the Connacht, obviously, like you said, in 95. Were you sitting around thinking, geez, there's four or five really good young lads coming up here now, you know, that could add a, an extra sparkle to this team? Not really. Uh, it doesn't necessarily work out like that because there's plenty of young lads. You've often heard the, the, the phrase, the great minor, and we'd had lo- a load of... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of lads are going over the years. Yeah, that's that, a Galway uh, hurling uh, problem. Say again, Willie. That's a Galway hurling problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, no, it's definitely. Uh, you know, Galway is a, f- a fun city. There's a bohemian vibe down there. Still is, and uh, you know, guys can get uh, can go by the wayside if you like, especially if they. Uh, uh, you know, enjoy themselves too much in college and whatnot, and I probably would have come under that moniker back in the day. But uh, no, I don't think there was any. We we knew they were they were coming, but you suppose you never know how good they're going to be. Um, and you know, some of the, the you probably only get uh, one or two players off of any uh, good minor team, and I'm sure Kerry will find that out the next couple of years. So I mean, you know, there was no guarantee that those seven or eight. Uh, players on a good minor team would necessarily come through and you know make it at senior level. It takes it, there's, a, there's so much more to it, uh, in particular in terms of application and uh, even back then it was uh, buying into the process and it's a it's a way of life. I remember saying one night at a, a team talk that I was married at the time uh, that my work in nightclubs had be, uh, was done, but the, the, uh, a lot of those young lads, 18, 19, were you know still uh, you know entitled to go out and enjoy themselves. But so no, the there was never a, a, a light bulb moment. Oh, we need to make the most out of these guys. It just it just kind of morphed over those uh, over that period. I think uh, we're not sure if Bosco had blooded any uh, of those particular um, individuals over uh, the period ninety four to ninety six. I don't think so. But certainly ninety seven. Val Daly had uh, realised that these guys were performing very well in Sigerson, Park Joyce down in uh, Kerry with Michael Donlan, uh, Tomas Meehan uh, with DCU, uh, and of course uh, John Dibley and Derek Savage with uh, UCD and others with UCG. So, you know, that's always a good barometer. Sigerson, you probably get more out of uh, Sigerson in terms of guys going out to senior inter county than you would from any minor team or under 20 as it is now. So, uh, it was uh, uh, Daly, I think introduced a number of them for the Mayo match and obviously we only, we only got run, one run out that year but uh, certainly Tomas Meehan played cornerback and Michael Dallin played uh, wing half forward and then we were blending in those guys with the uh, the more experienced guys and we were missing a couple of the the like Kevin Walsh was missing in 97 from memory and I think Ja maybe might have been out of the equation in 97 as well. So it was, it was a combination of those, uh, the senior guys putting the shoulders to the wheel for uh, another couple of years and gelling with the uh, the younger guys that you mentioned. Right, right, okay. You pretty much played out in the half-forward line and you left the two younger fellas um, inside. And I, ha- I have to say, from watching the game back last night, if it wasn't for Donlan and Jaff Allen's freakish performances, your second-half performance would be talked about for a long, long time. 
Well, thanks very much. Uh, much appreciated, Colm. Um, I'm not sure about the, the, me playing in the, that role. I mean, uh, from, from me- uh, memory, I was, uh, like to borrow a phrase from the recent uh, crisis, uh, you know, corner forwards and corner backs kind of uh, isolated in their own little patch. It was a different game back then. You didn't have the the movement of players. Certainly from that final, from memory, you might have had some of the half-backs and half-forwards, the likes of Anthony Rainbow and Sean O'Dupuyer and Dermot Early and Michael Donlan, you know, uh, the, the fit guys, if you like, would have been, you know, uh, going up and down the pitch. But uh, the rest of us kind of stayed in our own positions. That was the way the game was played. And um, maybe I did um, roam uh, a bit across Park Joyce and, and Derek Savage left and right. But uh, from memory, I would think I was, I was I was stuck in the corner for a lot of the time. I would have got I think a nosebleed Don- if I went over the fifty, like you know. So. <laughs> I think Don no Donlan dropped so deep. You you won a good bit of your ball running out to the forty. Maybe that was more. That was probably okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe that's right. Yeah, but certainly, you know, it, it, the game has evolved so much, and I I unfortunately gave it up in. Uh, Two uh, thousand and one, uh, they were very inconsiderate then, and went and won it then without me. So sure, they were sure I wasn't missed at all. But if I kept on going for another couple of years, just thinking about it there uh, recently, uh, with Tyrone being the game changer, I wouldn't have fancied. Uh, I would have been doing well to to hold the likes of Ryan McMinnon scoreless in, in a match. Like you know, it would have been the cornerbacks scoring more than the corner forwards. So thankfully, <laughs> myself and Brian Lacey kind of stayed 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 close enough to goal, so I was able to to have an impact but um, yeah I mean Jam ja, ja, Mikey did the, you know the, uh, they were uh, the phenomenal engines and certainly uh, you know there was a great feeling of space in the second half but uh, you know it was uh, I can't remember that much about the game Colin but certainly it was you know, not quite the preferable game of two halves but we did, we definitely blitzed them in the, the first quarter of the second half but you need a, a lot of luck as you know when you're winning your own Leicester final you need uh, a lot of luck to win these big games and I think Park Brennan had a very good chance uh, close to the uh, certainly in the last five minutes that was deflected over the bar and if that had gone in I think it, it might have been a one point game or even level so you know it's um, it was a four point game uh, in the end but you know it was tight right throughout like you know yeah, no, it definitely was. Even though you you completely dominated the second half, uh, you know, for the, for nearly the entirety of it. Come here, you mentioned you retired. It was a two thousand or two thousand and one. You were only thirty. Um, that was a big decision then. Like, I mean, thirty is not too old, and you knew there was a brilliant team there. Yeah, well, I suppose I was, uh, you know, Seth Floyd in Dublin at the time, and had been travelling up and down from Dublin for five years, and married and looking to start a family and whatnot, and. Most of my client base was built up here and I was playing for St. Sylvester's in Malahide at the time under Brian Telty. And, you know, look at, you know, yourself, call them the, the amount of effort, time and effort that uh, goes into uh, being a county player. Obviously, it's moreover, it's uh, it's a full-time job now at this stage and I don't know how many uh, self-employed guys uh, are actually playing the game at the highest level, but uh, I kind of said I put my shoulder to the wheel for for one last one last push in 2000, and we pretty much started in uh, October, I think it was, playing challenge matches uh, here, there, and everywhere in places like uh, Tang on the the border between Longford and Westmeath, and other places that nobody's ever heard of, and it went like it was a full 10, 11 months. I think we played Clare five times in. 
Ennis that summer like you know so all the the, the travelling was taking time I mean uh, I probably spent enough time in Maynooth to be trained and ordained I mean there was no the road structure wasn't there and we were spending an off an amount of time on the road and yeah I mean a as mentioned Ryan McMinniman and these, you know, the new uh, breed of players that were coming up. I was never, you know, an athlete per se, and uh, they were. Uh, it was becoming more an athlete's game. So I just thought it was probably probably the right time to leave the stage. In hindsight, that was probably a, a poor call because, um, you know, uh, I, I could have had a role to play in the in the 2001 uh, series. Like you know, uh, I mean, Tommy Joyce came in and ultimately, if you like, replaced me at number 15. But he was yeah. definitely a he was a, a, a third man midfielder and, you know, uh, so he played a completely different role and who knows, they might not have won it if, if Tommy hadn't been involved and played that role. Although I often, I'd be slagging him saying that uh, he he was the, the genesis. He started off this uh, back pass into the goalie. I think he, he <laughs> played a back pass to Lofty at one stage with about five minutes to go in the final against Meade. So, yeah, he can he he can he he can take a, the lion's share of the blame for the 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 present uh, state state of Gaelic football, if you like, in terms of the the negative negative end negative negative things. But I think we're 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 slowly turning the wheel there, in particular with no, uh, we are. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Porrick Joyce, I suppose, in another way. I'll ask you about that um, in a minute. But was it difficult to watch the 2001 uh, win then, though? Because, like we all say, oh, it was great and it was all about the other team. But on a personal level, it's probably difficult coming so soon after you finished. Oh, yeah. I mean, I heard Alan Quinlan there one day on the radio missing out on the uh, the great uh, victory with Bittrickles, three tries against France back in 2000. Uh so it's always hard, you know. You, you you'd like to be out there, but I had made the decision. I had made the decision in two thousand, so uh, it wasn't something uh, I had been mulling about it for a long while. And you know, it was an informed decision. And once you make the decision, you can't. There's no rolling back. And you know, uh, you probably thought you probably realised yourself once you retired. You're kind of looking back, saying, "Jesus, how did I get the time to?" To, you're playing your yeah. football and whatnot. You say, well, how would I get the time to fit in county football into my busy work and life schedule? So that was kind of the way it was for me. Just went full steam ahead into the practice here, Brandon Costco Finnegan, and uh, you know, uh, you know, played a bit of uh, football with uh, Sylvester's for a year, and then into your social soccer and your golf and what and whatnot in terms of your uh, leisure pursuits. But yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, probably only at the final that it kind of hit me and. I didn't I didn't miss per, per se being involved in on the football end of it. I missed kind of missing out on the crack, and you know you sh- soldiered with these guys for in a lot of, a lot of cases ten years. The likes of you know, Sean O'Dwyer, Guy Fay played football in college and right throughout the, our county careers. You kind of missed that end, and the, the fact that you were you missing out and celebrating with them and the uh, the team holiday they went to Thailand the following year. I think you know so I missed out <laughs> on that. That's I, that's what, that's what I miss more so than the actual football because, as you know yourself, it's it's uh, it's high pressure. And you know, I mean, Daryl Shea said he's never enjoyed a, an All Ireland final as such. Like he only enjoys them in the aftermath and only if they they've won. Yeah. So I mean, we lost in, in 2000 after replay. Probably we should have won it the first day, and uh, you know it was uh, it was a heavy 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 toll and took the winter to get over it, but. You know, I made my decision and stuck by it. And, you know, that's such is life. But, uh, you know, um, 
have, have no regrets in terms of the, the football career and was lucky enough to win one. I mean, let's face it, like Galway football was in the doldrums when Bosco McDermott took it over and we evolved under Bosco and realised we weren't that far off. And then Val and Jerry Fahey uh, took it on another step in 97. And then uh, I suppose John O'Janamani galvanised all the resources then uh, at his disposal, including the new breed of players coming through. And, you know, just thank my blessings that I was lucky enough to be on that team and around at the time. So, you know, no point getting greedy. But, uh, yeah, some regrets. But, you know, in reality, in the greater scheme of things, you know, uh, well happy with the, the haul at the end of it. Like, you know? Yeah. I was reading a quote about you that you made about winning the All-Ireland and you said before you win it it's a mythical thing and I can completely relate to that because I've never won it and of course it is mythical and then you said afterwards you realise it's another medal won it doesn't change your life you don't get out of bed thinking wow life moves on which makes me feel okay about not having one <laughs> <laughs> yeah well look at say. Uh... And I think yeah, Jim was referencing that as well in his recent uh, documentary, you know. And uh, you know, he, you know, at a certain point, he was saying he didn't feel fulfilled as a player because he didn't have one. But look, it's uh, not everyone's born in Kilkenny or Kerry, like, and it's probably even more reinforced uh, in, in Gaelic football terms in recent years. You know, uh, it, Dublin and Kerry uh, and Tyrone have have dominated, and uh, let's hope there's maybe a change in the guard this year. But uh, uh, it's you know it. I don't know when I come up with that quote, but uh, yeah, it's it maybe does change some some lives if they go on to you know some of the superstars that uh, they go on to open pubs and this that and the other, yeah. and they maybe didn't have a a, a a concrete career path, shall we say? So and then you know other opportunities open up in terms of uh, media and this that and the other. So it maybe just I was speaking uh, from a personal point of view that it didn't necessarily change my life because I mean I stayed in Dublin, so you're kind of very much under the under the radar. But yeah, I mean they, you know as I said it's very, it was just feel priv- privileged to be around at a time and. Uh, having had excellent managers in Bosco Val and in particular John O'Mahony to uh, you know galvanise all the, um, the the players and the, the backroom staff that the uh, we had at our disposal. I mean, back in '98, like we had uh, Mick Byrne as physio, was recently seen on the Boys in Green documentary, and I wish him well. And uh, he did an excellent job and great man to have in the dressing room. We had Jared Tagnan, I think, uh, who's back under uh, PJ as the doctor, an excellent GP in the uh, Tum district. Uh, we had a psychologist, Billy, and a surname escapes me, from Scotland. And I mean, John also brought brought the county board and all sponsor Tommy Var- Tommy Varden on board. And actually, from memory, we also had Eddie O'Sullivan, a uh, co- regular contributor to News Talk. Jesus. There. Yeah. He was he was our strength and condition uh, coach. I mean, he was peripheral like in, in that, uh, but he said, definitely set out a program. So, uh, you know, if 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 Jono hadn't come on board uh, in September '97, and with with a plan, I mean, there's no way we were coming from Division Three and and winning All Ireland without him galvanising uh, those resources and using all his diplomatic skills to to coach all those uh, parties and the county board and all the the players uh, and get us all singing off the one hymn sheet. Yeah, he's definitely good at that. Come here, have you fallen back in love with Galway football now under PJ? 
I know, fairness to Kevin, he, did, he had done an, an excellent job with the resources at his disposal and they won two Connacht's and they got to the league final and they went to against Dublin, lucky enough that day. Uh, also, was it the beaten by semi-final I was away that that year on holidays so I didn't get to see the match live or go to it but uh, you know we're, we're too far off and again he's he's building uh, PJ is building on that uh, there certainly is it does seem to be a market uh, change in direction in terms of the style of play which I would yeah. certainly welcome as a forward and we're playing Shane Walsh a lot, a lot closer to goal and we've got Damon Comer coming back and uh, Eamon Brannigan and others contributing and it's uh, remarkable to see Paul Conroy uh, I was at that match the carry match in Crow Park and uh, winced when it happened like it was a uh, it was a very dry summer and it was uh, the only wet day we had during the whole of that summer I think and it was just one of those things and he slid in and we all knew in the crowd not that there was too many at it uh, we all knew <laughs> that it was serious but to come back it was remarkable and he seems to be you know uh, you know Back fighting fit and he, uh, playing well in either either as a, you know a super sub uh, role or starting from play, and then yeah he's uh, PJ certainly nursed a couple of new defenders as well um, uh, as well Kearns number uh, at the yeah, back and, and uh, the goalkeeper uh, name escapes me but he uh, was at the Monaghan match down there stadium there freezing cold day about a couple of months ago and uh, he certainly has a great presence about him and uh, good kick out so and then you know uh, he's, he seems to be building a, a strong squad and it seems to be have a very direct style of play now and getting the ball in quickly and who knows this uh, current crisis could be an opportunity for the likes of Galway Tyrone Donegal possibly Cork uh, Mayo to upset the big two because it's going to be a, it's a new world out there like you know Exactly, exactly. Come here, Niall. Thanks very much for taking the call. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. No problem, Colm. Okay, enjoy, enjoy the rest of the day, okay? Take care. Yeah, somebody said it's as ugly as Marty Morris here for both. We probably in fairness, he wouldn't know a penalty if it bit him in the arse. I mean. What is the point of this? They swear allegiance to the cult of Cairn. But I'll tell you what, you can forget about Sean Kavanagh as far as he's a man. Is managing Mead at some stage in for the rest of your life a pebble in your shoe that you want to get out? <laughs> no, I think I've got over that. <laughs> Have you? Uh, if I went to do that, sure, who'd keep managing Joe Brady on the Sunday game? And <laughs> you couldn't expose the nation to him on his own, could you? So yeah, Galway won 14, Kildare won 10. Um, it finished up. We'll start with the, the first half. It wasn't the greatest first half in the world other than Michael Donlan kind of lighting it up, I suppose. Galway started brilliantly and then went completely out of it after the Kildare goal. And then Kildare took over without really playing any great stuff at all, Connor. Yeah, well, I think it was 13 minutes, I think, before uh, Kildare got their first score. And like I thought up to that stage, I thought for the first 20 minutes, that Kildare had, uh, were the better team, were the more dominant team. And I think uh, we mentioned Niall Buckley in the in the first half, but I thought that in terms of, and like midfield battles tended to be midfield battles back then between the, 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 the four men in the middle. And I thought that Niall Buckley and, and Willie McCreary for Kildare were well on top of, of Kevin Welsh and Sean O'Donnell earlier on. Problem is that they didn't they didn't get any value out of that dominance, for me no. anyway, in that like Galway kind of sucker punched them for the first few minutes in that despite the fact that they weren't on top, they had, you know, they were getting bits and bobs off the likes of Michael Donnell and I think uh, 
Derek Savage was showing well. I don't think he scored. We mentioned Niall Finnegan earlier on as well. So by that, yeah, by that stage, it took to the middle of the the, the first half for Kildare to really settle. And then even when they did settle, to me, they did they 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 didn't capitalize on that dominance either because I thought, and I mentioned this in part one, that I thought that the that the Kildare tactic was a bit too was a bit too straightforward, and that they were I thought they were told just to lob it in uh, yeah. to the to the they had. Carlo Dwyer and Martin Lynch, and sorry, Lynch in the in the full forward line to to lob it in, trust them to get the better of the men, and hopefully they get scores in that. And they did eventually from from breaking ball, but there was absolutely oceans of space in the Galway full back line. I like I could I could get over it like today today it'd be criminal and there'd be like managers be putting five sweepers back there, but I and and just to that end, um, Gary Fahey and partic- particularly Tomás Mannion. You, you mentioned Michael Donnellan lighting up the first half. Like, I, I was writing some notes last night, and I just wrote in capital letters, Tomás Mannion. Like, in in terms of a, like a cornerback's performance for the first 20 minutes, I don't know if I've seen anything like it. And the first half in general, he wasn't bad in the second half either. But because of that, because of the fact that, like, when when there were duels, I think the Galway full-back line particularly were getting the better of their men. And I thought the... That, that Kildare need to be far more sophisticated with the ball they were putting in because it tended to be very long, very direct and very little shape on it, creating battles where there didn't need to be, where they could have put it out in front and, you know, put it out, put it out in space for, 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 for their forwards to win, which is something what Galway did in the second half. And yeah. then the, the problem for Kildare then is that like Galway turned it around so quickly at the start of the second half. So whatever lead the Kildare had, had built up was, was for nothing within 10 minutes of the start of the second half. They got, like, Kerrigan got a point from a long ball. Uh, Carla Dwyer got a point from a long ball, kind of breaking out. Yeah. You're right, Mannion was all over Lynch, and Lynch was probably the target um, for a lot of those long balls. But, like, with those 50-50 balls with a lot of hang time, you're right, Tomás Mannion was absolutely outstanding. I was going to hold off. Um, he's down for performance at the weekend, but mm. he, was abso- he was absolutely brilliant, and he was destroying Lynch to the point that Lynch got taken off. And, like, Lynch was Kildare's best forward. Let's be honest. And he just mm. couldn't get into the game because Kildare didn't play any controlled football at all. And unless they thought there was a weakness aerially, it's the only thing that you can imagine there was a weak they thought there was a weakness aerially in the in the Galway full back line, but there certainly wasn't because there were there were Mannion was breaking it out, Fahey was breaking it out, Carla Dwyer kind of came into it before half time. His first point was a nice turn. Second one again, it was just there was just an, there was no control to Kildare's play. And maybe if that's Mikko's tactics, you know, because I remember in the second half, it was very obvious uh, Anthony Rainbow took a terrible sideline or a terrible free kick quickly to Carl Lacey. And it went out over the sideline right in front mm. of Mikko. And you could see Mikko <laughs> giving out to him and pointing in at uh, Brian Murphy, who had come on at this stage, you know. So Mikko didn't like, yeah. any, he didn't like any messing around with it. Yeah, and, and and I think we have to be conscious of the year as well, and that like that because we mentioned that last week that 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 I think it was a tactic, and and letting the ball in, regardless of the shape on it, was regarded as a good tactic, and it was yeah. the, the the attitude was we let it in, you win your own ball up there basically, and now like you know there's something to be said for that in terms of like you know forwards of a modern era will complain that they don't get the ball in at all because people are trying to put it in too perfectly, but but I thought that that, that just because the level of space that was in there. That it was just it was just as easy to try and put a bit of shape or trying to put a direction, like on a delivery in rather than just absolutely absolutely launching it in high. And I don't know where whether whether Mikko identified it as a weakness. I don't know, but I don't know whether where it would have came from either because 
like I can't remember the the, the Galway team of that year. Um, do you know, like having any issues with like Gary Fay, like had a good year of pullback. Tomas Mannion, having cleaned out Joe Brawley in the semi final against Derry, had another brilliant game here. The only thing I can think of. Um, Mike McNamara conceded two goals against going back to Mayo again in, in the first game. So the, there might have been a question mark about his ability under the high ball because he wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the biggest of keepers either. So maybe Mick O'Dwyer thought there might be change there. And actually in the second half, he um, they, they, they threw out the, the name of the sub escapes move, but they threw the big lad in into the into the full forward line yeah, and tried Brian that Murphy, again. Yeah. And Brian Murphy, sorry. And they hit the post at the, at the very end as well. So maybe, maybe that was the thinking, but I just thought it was a wasted opportunity. And it kind of even highlighted a bit more when you saw the type of ball, as you referenced already, that was going in from John Dively and, and some of the Galway midfielders into the, goal, into the Galway forwards in the second half. But that's the thing. If they were the tactics from the start, why not start Brian Murphy? Now, I know he was a bit of an impact sub, but start him on the edge of the square. Get those balls in. You see, they, they were kind of carrying Pora Craven as, uh, Craven as, a, as a free taker. He mm. was brilliant from freeze, but he wasn't up to an awful lot. Um, from play and there was none of the other forwards you'd really drop because to be fair the two bright spa- bright uh, points or bright forwards for Kildare in the first half were Eddie McCormick and Dermot Early like Early had the beating of Silk the whole way through the first half he he had an early wide when Silk slipped like Dermot Early should have kept going with that you oh know? yeah yeah. in, yeah. in his defence he's he's very young and it was his first All-Ireland you know you, sometimes you can just say oh I've turned maybe his plan was to turn and point and then when Silk slipped, he kind of stayed doing yes. what he, you know what I mean, what he had planned to do in the first place. But he was drifting into the edge of the square. He was a target for kickouts. He played very, you know, he played very well. But they, they probably, Kildare probably just didn't play through their half forward line enough. Um, Kerrigan come, came so deep, and and Divoli didn't really follow him at all. So you know, maybe the only way to do it was to get it in long over Divoli. Yeah, but they had some like Eddie McCormick could play a bit of ball and Kerrigan at um at eleven could play a bit of ball as well. So they had that option there. And actually, like Galway kind of Galway tried to in the second half particularly, Galway tended to counter attack a bit more and, and like why wouldn't they when you have somebody like Michael Donnellan to break the line? Um and, and, and Kildare actually at times had to had to be a bit more sophisticated with their with their kick pass and and were kind of delivering these kind of Bouncy, you know, you know, one bounce balls into the forwards because Galway maybe had their full back line packed. So they they did try that in the second half, in the second half a bit more. But but that's but that's it. Like it, it like they had they had a couple of forwards that that could have done the done the damage. Like I think Eddie McCormick got two points in the first half. Carlo Dwyer when he eventually got the got the better of Gary Fahey. Now it was only for a short while. I think he kicked two very quick points in in quick succession. But you imagine if they were getting that ball. More often that they would, I think they only had one four or one five kicked at half time, despite being completely dominant, and they would have opened up a far bigger cushion. Whereas the case that like with Park Joyce's goal for 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 Galway, that just got Galway right back into it when they maybe didn't deserve to be. Well, that, um, Kildare were known at the time for hand passing out of defence, you know, and getting a few hand passes, getting out into that space, and then putting it in. And you mentioned intensity at the start of the show. It was very obvious that Galway kind of knew this was coming, yeah. And their forwards buzzed around. Now I know you you mentioned Tyrone in two thousand and three, but I was surprised at the intensity the Galway forwards, known for um, their brilliance, how they were willing to work hard, you know, to to try and stop that. Yeah, yeah, to a man actually. You know, the, one of the features of the first half was when. So uh, you're right. The Kildare like to kind of, you know, throw it out with short passes up until they maybe got to the 45 and then deliver, or maybe halfway. And the feature of the first half was how difficult it was for them to do that first yeah. half to get to get those hand passes. And not only that, 
just when the let's say the Kildare half back line were about to kick the ball, that a Galway hand came from nowhere. Like I'm, I like I Shea Welsh did it at one stage. Jar Fallon definitely did it. Derek Savage was buzzing about everywhere in the first half, making it making life a nuisance for the for the Kildare full back line. But but I like that's that 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 impressed on me last night as well that I didn't remember, especially that Galway team. That Galway team are known for being. They're a purist team. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. you know, for, for brilliant scores from Jeff Allen, from the likes of Michael Donnell and stuff like that. But probably because of the reputation that they've got, it's it's taken away from from the work rate, the work work rate that they had as well. And they especially had it in that final. And, and like that's that's I would imagine like John John O'Manley, to be fair to him, was a particularly meticulous coach. And I would imagine he spotted that with Kildare and kind of had the Galway forwards prepared for it. And had they not done that, considering that like they were being dominated in midfield as well, Kildare could have been, you know, that they, they could have had the, the lead that they deserved, which would have been more than more than the three or four points that they were carrying in at half time. Yeah, and like I mean, the, the, tactically as well, Finnegan played out in the half forward line pretty much and left just Savage and Joyce inside, and Donlan was dropping really, really deep. Donlan dropped it really, really deep, not really like a Brian Doher dropping really really deep but getting back there and making his runs from deep you know so like I mean again in 1998 this was all cutting edge stuff you know what I mean it was it, it was tactical and it was smart yeah completely I mean like back then you would have maybe expected you might have had a third midfielder I think every now and again but you wouldn't you, you wouldn't have associated that era with those sorts of tactics but especially for Donlan it worked like a dream because Michael Donlan was picking up the ball and getting a run on anybody before they had a chance to stop him. Yeah, I mean, like he was that quick that, like as I said earlier, that ball that he picked up on the thirteen, for example, he was running towards his own goal, you know, with his back to goal and with his man right up on top of him, and then managed to turn. And before you knew it, he was absolutely gone. And his best moments, his best moments throughout the game, uh, but particularly in that first half, came when he was coming from deep, from well beyond his from well beyond his, from, from well beyond halfway and then just giving a one-two and getting on the end of it and get, either kicking points himself or, you know, giving it off as he as he did to Derek Savage who gave it to Sean O'Dwyer. But I must say that like whether it was the camera angler or just because of Michael Donnellan's sheer pace that he made Crow Park look a lot smaller looking than it does now. I mean, oh God, it, yeah. it, it seemed to me like he had covered like, you know, 13 to 13 in like something like six seconds. Whereas the way you look at it now, that, that would that would take a lot longer than that. But that's, I mean, like everything that could have gone right, I suppose, for Michael Donnellan went right in the day. But that was a that was a particular feature. And I'd imagine that's something that John O'Mahony had worked on beforehand as well. No, definitely. Well, uh, he was he was just freaky with his pace. I played in America with him in 1999. Um Mayo had beaten them early in the Connacht Championship and he went out to St. Brendan's in Chicago um, and I was out there that year and I came in, the man was just a freak with that pace. Now he didn't give a monkeys about playing out there. He <laughs> he was out there for a hot day. He didn't want to know about the football. He just didn't, he didn't care about it but you just see him the odd time he would give a damn. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. And he would just take off. Like I've never, I, like I, I was pretty fast on the field but you're not staying anywhere near this fella. It was just a freak, freaky level of pace that I'm not like maybe Shane Walsh in the modern game could could be with him, but I'm not sure he would over a long distance. But it's a it's a style of running that um he, Michael Donald looked like he glided over the turf, for example. Yeah. So like there's loads of there's loads of fast players in the game today, for example, but they you can tell that they're absolutely going out hundred percent. Whereas I think Shane Walsh is the nearest nearest comparison, you know, to the way he kind of glides across the turf and is going faster than everybody without it 
looking like he's going faster than everybody. And actually, it looks like he's another 20% in him. Could go faster, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like the, the most perfect example of that was, was and actually probably not the iconic solo run, but the one where it just kind of, the, the point he got where it just kind of ran into his path, he dinked it. It didn't quite come up into him. It didn't quite come up to him, but it bounced. It couldn't have bounced perfectly, more perfectly. And yeah. he just glided away and there was, there was no hope of anyone catching him. But uh, I'm interested what he's seen as you, do you play in the same team with him? So you were wing back back then and he was wing forward. So did you mark him in training or, or how did that work? Or did he even go training? No, uh, we went, he went training. I know I wasn't wing back. I played my first game out there, cornerback. Uh, oh, I was wing back. I was cornerback. I, I never marked him in training, thankfully. And not, not that Donlin was just so relaxed. Like Donlin would walk around, like you know. And he, I we, listen. We we played him in another twenty-one All Ireland semi-final, like I was saying. And he wasn't great that day. And we had played them in an under twenty-one challenge game earlier that year. And Donlin just walked around the place. Now yeah. every now and every now and then he would really burst into life and he'd stick one in the top corner. Then he'd go back out walking around. He was a he, he was a strange sort of character on the field, um, you know. But just that pace was just absolutely incredible. But arguably, we'll talk about these lads in the performance of the weekend because John Divoli's performance in the second half was very very underrated, and Niall Finnegan's as well. And it's just Jaff Allen and Donlan took it to new levels. That like Divoli, his pass to Donlan for Joyce's goal was was a brilliant pass right into his path. Um, and the thing about Divoli's passes, like compared to Nooks or Buckley's, is that they were going almost as long, but they mm. weren't. They weren't hopeful deliveries. They were seeing somebody, and they were actually into their path. He gave a lovely, beautiful, long, long ball into Joyce, who was out in front. You know, he gave it to Donlan another time. These were passes over yeah. about over forty meters. They weren't clearances. You know, like a lot of the balls we saw in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, and, and like with all due respect to John Divoli as well, is that like they they were passes and they, they had they had direction on them. The the way they, they were did the, the way they were delivered, let's say, was still fairly straightforward. It was still kind of like Divoli given everything he got into a pass as opposed to curling one with the inside of his boot or maybe putting it on the outside of his oh, boot. Oh, they were all they were all outside, they were all pretty much punt passes. Or all punt, but oh. but they were they were to somebody though. They weren't hopeful ones. Yeah. They gave another one off his left foot in the second half off over the, under the Cusick stand. I think it could have been to Derek Savage or somebody. But like, I mean, these were passes. He he saw somebody and drove it to them and it was yeah. bouncing before them. It was a, a beautiful ball for forwards. That's exactly what I mean. And like, we, we went back to it earlier on in terms of the lack of sophistication with the Kildare ball that was going in, which is basically just high and lumped. And again, that could have been a tactic, just let it into the full forward line. When Galway were on top and when Galway got their period of dominance in the second half, early in the second half particularly, the ball that they were buttoned into those quality forwards. I mean, like uh, we get to Jaff Allen again, but like Jaff Allen had like a, had a poor enough first half by his standards and then completely turned around the second. But a lot of that was down to the quality of ball that he was getting in. Neil, Neil, uh, Niall Finnegan, the same, Park Joyce, the same. Derek Savage, I don't think he scored, but got on a lot of ball that was coming, uh, particularly from Divoli. Divoli wasn't the only one, but but he was probably the, the biggest exponent of the long, accurate ball that... Uh, that the, the Galway used, but like that, I I think that the contrast between that ball, um, the Galway were delivering in the second half when they were on top, and the quality of ball that Kildare were delivering the first half when they were on top was probably the the main factor of the game, probably the winning the game for Galway in the end. 
Yeah, and I think what kind of stood out with um, Galloway for some of their scores was just the interplay between their forwards. Like, oftentimes with Kildare, points would come off a breaking ball or, you know, something knocked down or a solo effort by Eddie McCormack or, you know, a piece of brilliance by him. Whereas, like, Porrick Joyce's point in the first half was a ball to Derek Savage, who played a lovely little ball inside into into, uh, Joyce. You know, in the second half then, you have Donlan making a great run uh, throwing it back out to Finnegan, you know, who stuck it over the bar. There were there were more worked scores, a lot of them. Do you know that yeah. kind of way? Like, through, through good forward play rather than hopeful ones. Yeah, and, and let's not forget Derek Savage's little dink ball at the end of Michael Donnellan's solo run where he was kind of held up by the defender and just this little glorious dink into Sean Ogdewey who took it on the run and kind of put it over the bar. Yeah. But you're right. But you're right, that, that, and, and whether this was, and I imagine there was a mixture of kind of instinctive because like by, because those Galway forwards had such an individual quality and something that John O'Mahony would have worked on as well. But, but like, and you could tell as well that like when Galway got their tails up and Galway are like, Galway are traditionally like this, Galway are still like this today, that when Galway get their tails up, their confidence just absolutely soars. And this, this sort of stuff, this sort of neat interplay and, and kind of like skillful stuff just, just comes out in abundance. And, and that really kind of took hold from when they got settled early second half to, 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 to the end, really, when I think Kildare got it to within three, but didn't really look like kind of clawing it back. No, no. And I suppose when Brian Murphy came on, then the first thing he did, he caught the first ball, laid it on to Parik Brennan, he stuck it over the bar, and then he could have got the goal. And then you're wondering, if, they, yeah, like I said in part one, if they were your tactics, start with Brian Murphy, and that's kind of it. One other point I wanted to make was uh, Martin McNamara's kickouts. He varied them very well, didn't he? Like, I mean, there was a lot mm. of different, there was a lot of different targets. He even went one short to Ray Silk, which he, which at that time of you know. You know, in the 1990s, Gaelic football, going short to a wing back wasn't uh, very common. But he, Kevin Walsh was a big target of his, yeah. but not, not booming on top of him because William McCreary was good in the air and so was Buckley. Kind of Walsh running to the wing and getting it out there. Yeah, not at the start. I, like, so at the start, I think McMara kind of went straight down the middle and then realised that, like, Calera were on top. Yeah, yeah Calera, Calera were on top here. And then started to utilise that. Kevin Welch got a couple of balls under the stand where it bounced mm-hmm. into him. So it was obviously something they worked at because McNamara's trajectory that he had to kick out had to be had to be quite low. So it bounced lovely into Kevin Welch. The one that you're on about, Ray Silk, I remember it last night. I think Mike, uh, McNamara could have taken that with his left foot. Yeah, he just did. Went, he switched just, feet, yeah. It went to show how ill-prepared teams were for short kickouts back then because <laughs> because it wasn't the cleanest strike in the world. I mean, it bobbled all the way to Ray Silk, who still got the ball in acres of space because, you know, short kickouts were unheard of back then. And probably for a team like Kildare, who were so tall. Like, I mean, Kildare had, like, as well as having McCreary and, and Buckley, I think Eddie McCormick wasn't the tallest, but I think he could have won a couple of kickouts. Uh, they had Dermot Early obviously coming back in. Their full forward line was quite tall as well. So they're probably used to doing it themselves anyway, where all the ball kind of goes down the middle. And probably just used to playing against teams who did that as well. So that was, I, th- I think that the, the, the strategy of kind of going a little shorter would have been born out of a little bit of Kildare dominance, but stuff they'd worked on as well. But but very, very unfamiliar for the, for the era as well. But that wasn't a... Yeah, I think McNamara got away with that one because it wasn't. <laughs> it, it took about five seconds to get to race. It, it was so poorly kicked. But listen, he got the ball and he got it in acres of space. The so job was done. Yeah, it was a dribbler. That's what you, you yeah. call them. But like, I mean, it, it, to dominate the second half as as they did, 
usually teams have a little bit of dominance and then the other team take over. But Galway just dominated the second half. It was a complete domination and Kildare had no answer to it. Like the only answer Kildare had was a couple of Eddie McCormick runs and he was pulled down. You know, they, they were just, it was a complete transformation for two to one outsiders to be three down at half time and not looking like it's going well to turn it around and rip up the script like I mean it was just it was as good a second half performance I would say ever in any All-Ireland final really yeah I think so I know like hindsight is great now like I was looking back at the game last night and I was thinking even though the Kildare had the better of the first half and they were on top I didn't feel like they were in control let's say and obviously it's easy for me to say that because I knew that they didn't go on to win the game but like I think if you contrast that with when Galway got on top in the second half, they were in complete control. They were cruising to the point that they, I think they'd got maybe, had they got seven points up at that at one stage? And I, like, I yeah. didn't feel, I didn't feel it was ill-deserved. I, I thought it was completely deserved. And they, they turned that around in so little time. And it was because of a number of, we talked about the kickouts just there, the interplay of the forwards and the fact that like the, some of the, some of the lads who maybe had struggled a bit in the first half started to get on top. No, no more so than, no, no more so than Jeff Allen. But they, it was, it was the most, it was the most typical kind of, it was Galway at their very, very best. So, you know, it was yeah. one of the best Galway teams at their very, very best. And it's typical of the great Galway teams that like, they're just, they're a real joy to watch. And they, they they have that confidence and they have that little bit of cockiness to, Galway are likely, as likely to do it on the biggest stage of all as they would on a, you know, an elite game that, that, that doesn't matter when there's not as much pressure. And they really delivered when it, when it, when it mattered most. To, to, the, to the point that they probably had their foot off the pedal a little bit at the end. I mean, all their subs, all their subs to me, watching back, seem to have gathered about 10 minutes before the end of the game. And then uh, Brennan hit the poster and thinking, geez, we're getting a bit carried away with ourselves here, lads. But not to take away from, from the quality of Galway's second half performance in general, which was as you said as good especially for an All-Ireland final as, you, as you're going to see yeah exactly right well you mentioned Jeff Allen so we'll come back with performance of the weekend I'm sure he's going to feature there he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that was great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you <laughs> so performance of the weekend we're going to start with Jeff Fallon um, and this was one of the best turnarounds in performance I've ever seen because I have to say, when I start a game and I'm not playing well, that trend will probably continue until the 70th <laughs> minute. <laughs> like, like, I, don't, I don't ever remember me thinking or remember games where I'm playing shit and then all of a sudden I start playing well. Usually I'm on it early and I continue on. You know, you've played well the whole game. So, like, I mean, for him, he lost his first two balls to Glenn Ryan, um, then won another one and gave the hand pass away. Do you remember, it was a half goal chance. He tried to get yeah. it into Niall Finnegan. Then the fourth ball he got, he kicked, he tried a diagonal ball infield and he kicked that away. Um, I think it was Anthony Rainbow intercepted it. Then he won a free from catching a kick out and he caught a few in the second half as well. But let's just say his first half was forgettable um, and to, to turn it around the way he did the first one like I mean he got the point under the Cusick stand and this was kind of one that was being passed around no one was taking responsibility so Jad just said here I'll take a crack at this 
and that went over, just scraped over the, the crossbar. And that just changed things completely um, for him. And his second half performance between the points, the sidelines, the catch and the kickouts, it was just a phenomenal second half performance. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> like I, I like my notes last night, I was thinking, this is not like Jaff Allen. <laughs> like the, the first 15 minutes. And I remember Jaff Allen having an unbelievable game. What was I watching the wrong game years ago? Because uh, he, he couldn't do anything right. And like he, he probably wasn't the only one. And something I was thinking about was that mistakes were probably more tolerated there. Like it, I know it's not, it, it's Jaff Allen, so he wouldn't have been taken off. But, but other people that made kind of maybe the similar level of mistakes probably would have been, you know, given the curly finger before half time. But, but yeah, he, he, there was a couple of moments I think at the, towards the end of the first half, catching that catching the kickout was one of them that kind of would have maybe thinking right and getting into the game here. And to be fair to him, it wasn't as if he wasn't in the vicinity of where the ball was. He was involved in the game. It wasn't really working out for him in the first half. But then completely things changed completely in the in the second half. And just to say that there's the two two. So he got three points that I can remember from play in the second half that are as good as... No, got, I think he got two from play and one from the sideline, wasn't sorry, it? Well, sorry, two from play and one from the sideline. So both, all of those three points were as good as anything you'll see. Because So the year before, obviously, was the Morris Fitz final. Jaff Allen kicks a ridiculous sideline from in the second half. That's arguably harder because, like, let's say when so Jack would have been kicking with the inside of his boot, which is more of a natural angle for a left-footed kicker, let's say. But from the distance he was kicking at, yeah, you know, a lot of people would go with the outside of the boot because they might get more distance. But that was an unbelievable one. The one he got to start him off was obviously the wrong side for a left footer on the sideline with Glenn Ryan on top of him. And then the other score he got was the most stereotypical Jaff Allen score you'll ever see. Yeah. On the right, gets the ball in loads of space, cut on the right-hand side, cutting in on his left, does the Jad jink. And I was thinking last night, it was that like, that Jaff Allen jink, it reminds me of Sean Kavanagh and that like, Sean Kavanagh has this dummy that everybody knows is coming but can do nothing to stop it because the speed at which Jeff Allen used to do that jink always onto his left foot but like it was just ridiculous and nobody could stop him probably owed a lot to his like Jeff Allen was a really good rugby player as well so that like it was champagne stuff from 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 Jeff Allen in the second half and and when you put in a when you put in a kind of performance like that and especially in a, in a performance as good as Galway delivered in the second half, you're willing to forget, you know, a couple of lost balls or, you know, um, the, the, the goal chance that he spurned in, in, in the second half. But uh, he was he was absolutely outstanding, a joy to watch. That was it. It was a, a great ball by Kevin Walsh for his for his second point, the one he jinked back inside Glen Ryan. And you were almost like, oh, God, God help Glen Ryan when he got the ball, because like you said, he was in so much space that there was only one thing going to happen, you know, with his tail up. And it was interesting, the next, the following, uh, after that point from play, he caught the next kick out. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, yeah. I mean, it was just a phenomenal performance. He was brilliant in the air. He was well able to get up. Um, so anything that was falling around his area was kind of his ball because he was so strong as well. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal performance is actually... I was at a, a function of jazz and he it was he got some lifetime achievement award and this was back in 1998 so I had made the compromise rules panel and I was at the all-stars that year the year he he won player of the year and uh, he he won the player of the year and he was walking back down through the audience and he 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 told he said this as part of his speech because I was there giving out medals and he said he was walking back down after collecting his player of the year and I tapped him on the arm and called him down to say something to him and I says to him uh, 
don't let it go to your head now, Jay. So this, <laughs> this, 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 this was a little bollocks of 19 years of age telling the player of the year who's just won it all Ireland not to let it go to his head. Like, it's such, such absolute nonsense I'd have come out with. But I would have to say, look, looking at that whole All-Ireland final, I wouldn't have Jaff Allen as man of the match in the final. Michael Donnellan, for me, over the whole course of the game, was, uh, was man of the match. He only scored two points. But he made a brilliant solo run for the Sean Oak, the queer point, which the iconic solo run that nobody will ever forget. He set up the goal. He set up Niall Finnegan for a point after cleaning Anthony Rainbow. Remember Anthony Rainbow pulled his jersey? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. just completely out of ideas. And and then another run set up Hora Joyce, who who had a very bad wide off his uh, off his left. And he had another run that set Ja Fallon up, who was fouled for a free like, I mean, if you add up everything Michael Donnellan contributed to that game over the whole course of the game, you know, especially in the first half when Galway weren't firing on all cylinders, surely the man at the match was Michael Donnellan. Yeah, I mean, like, there's 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 a few contenders, like Jaff Allen being one, probably get to a couple others, Tomas Mannion, definitely, and a couple of the Kildare lads have stood out. But like, listen, this is the this is the Michael Donnellan final. And it's not just because the, you know, the, the that solo run that he did in the first half was, was ended up voted, I think, as the the top GA moment of all time, I think in some, in some poll that was that was done in the mid two thousands. But uh, but they like of of all the Galway players that were kind of they were fighting against the tide. I would say in the first half because as I said, I, I think Kildare were were well on top. Like Donlan, Donlan to me could have even got man the match in the first half, even though Kildare to me were that dominant. Not only did he get his points and do that solo run, but just he was the main kind of focal point for 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 the Galway fight back in the first half, and then then kind of carried it on in in the second half as well. But it's just it's one of the it, like to me anyway. Like even like watching it back last night only confirmed to me how good Michael Donnellan was in that game because I think there's a danger of people getting misty-eyed about and maybe I was I was guilty of that with Jeff Allen and particularly his first half performance but that people years on they get a bit nostalgic and misty-eyed about how good players were or how good a, a certain game was or how good an individual performance was last night but to me if anything Michael Donnellan was even better than I remember um, yeah. in, in that final and like just like with all due respect to any other contenders I think he was he was head and shoulders above anyone else on the day yeah, so incredible stuff from Michael Donlan. I think Niall Finnegan deserves a mention in this as well, um, Connor. Like, I mean, his second half performance was brilliant. And in fairness, he was out in front a lot during the first half. Again, when Galway weren't really firing, he was always showing. He was marking um, Brian Lacey, who was all-star that year. And he got two from play in the second half, celebrated his first one. And he had two, um, uh, two frees in the second half as well. So four in total was the top scorer. And Niall Finnegan... Um, is unfortunate in that a lot of other All Ireland finals, Niall Finnegan would have been man of the match. Yeah, I think so. And then, like, he just had the kind of misfortune of playing alongside, well, not the misfortune, but in this instance, of playing alongside Michael Donnell and, and maybe maybe Jeff Allen as well. But first half, like something I noted last night particularly was that he was getting the ball under the just under the, I think it could have been the Cusick stand, like, but he was winning the ball in front of Brian Lacey. Uh, the, Brian Hogan Lacey the Hogan stand. And Brian Lacey at the time would have been one of the best kind of man-on-man defenders in the game. And he didn't, maybe he was trying to take him on, but but, but didn't really get past him. Lacey was, was a tough nut to crack. But but a couple of really dangerous balls across the face of the, yeah. across the face of the goal in the first half that, that, that Galway probably could have capitalised a bit better on. But then the second half, I thought, thought he really came to life. Got a couple of really gutsy scores 
Um, as, as you said, he, he took a bit of treatment off John Finn that, that, that led to him missing the kind of a, an easy score as well. And then when Galway's tails were up, I think he might have got two in quick succession as well, one from a free and one from one from play as well. But like outside of outside of um, Donlan and Jeff Allen, definitely amongst the Galway forwards, I think the most man might have a shout as well for, for, for Galway players that kind of stood out. But outside of uh, Donlan and Joyce, he definitely was 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 a standout Galway forward. And like looking back on it, like must have been very satisfied with kind of his own display. Yeah, definitely. We've mentioned Tomas Mannion already. He was outstanding uh, right throughout the game as well. Absolutely brilliant, tigerish cornerback, a nightmare um, to mark because he was so aggressive. Um, like, I mean, John Divoli, we've mentioned him as well. He definitely deserves a shout. Chanog the player, um, I remember having a better game than he did. He got on a lot of ball, but Eddie McCormack caused a lot of uh, problems as well. I, funnily enough, I marked Eddie McCormack earlier that year. In 1998 was my debut season. Eddie gave me an awful roasting to the point where I was, take, I was taken off. But they had a great battle, actually, because I would say that Sean Oakdepoir and Eddie McCormack both deserve a nomination in this. Well, Eddie McCormack is... I have Eddie McCormack down as probably my... My the, the, the Kildare player I thought played the best. My, if it was a Kildare man in the match, I would have had Eddie McCormack. Not just the... The first, the first half points. He had a couple of real driving runs at the at the Galway uh, defence in the first half, and he, along with say Niall Buckley, he was one of the ones that took the fight to to Galway in the second half as well. And I suppose like the thing about Sean Ogdeweir is that his performance is bookended by so his first point was after the Michael Donald solo run, which I think was maybe after around ten minutes, and then his last point was the last point of the game, and it came when you know Kildare had committed to a lot of bodies in attack. He got on the end of it. He got on the end of a kind of flow and Galway counter-attack was able to k- kick the ball over the bar. So I'm the same as you. Like, I, I don't remember it being as iconic maybe as it's remembered. The only thing I will say about John O'Dewey is that I, I remember him. I, I watched the game back last night. He got on a lot of breaking ball. He did. So he, did. he got on a lot of breaking ball um, and dirty breaking ball, um, especially in the in the first half when, as I said, I, I don't think uh, Galway weren't on top. Like, there wasn't a lot of clean ball won by especially by Kevin Walsh and, and, and Sean O'Dell around the middle. So so Sean O'Dell did did kind of mop up a lot of that. But if if I was to say, let's say in the Galway half back line, for example, I would I would have had Divoli ahead of him, you know, in, in terms of their their impact on the game, even though Sean O'Dell will will end the game with two points to his name and two iconic points given that one of them was the last one and the first one came at the end of the most iconic solo run probably in, in Gaelic football history. Yeah, exactly right. Well, the performance the weekend, I think everybody's going to guess who got this. So that's Michael Donlan. <laughs> I think an absolutely phenomenal. It's a weird one. I think Jeff Allen won Player of the Year. I think Michael Donlan might, there's another one, a Texaco Player of the Year. Yeah. Got that. Who got Man of the Match in the final? I think Jag got it as well, but I suppose there's, was it Jag got it um, at the time, the Man of the Match in the final? I'm not quite sure. Oh, I I, th- I thought it, I thought it was Donlan, but um but but I do remember there being there being separate kind of player of the year awards at the time because I was thinking when you were on about Jeff Allen I was like oh Michael Donlan won one as well but there was two there was the Texaco and the player of the year one too yeah. but, but if like it, like if Michael Donlan didn't get banned the match I'm happy to revise it you know, 22 years later and say that whoever did win the man the match, it's taken away from him and the award is now officially Michael Donnellan's. That's it. And, <laughs> and GR performance the weekend goes to Michael Donnellan as well. So just to top off a brilliant career, um, you can add that uh, <laughs> to your list of honours. So that's it. Right, Connor, we'll leave it there. We'll be back on Monday and we'll do another All-Ireland. We might try to broaden this out to any match. There's a lot of people asking for Leitrim's Connacht uh, title 
1994, where they beat Roscommon, Galway, and uh, beat Mayo in the final. Uh, I'm not available that day, will Because <laughs> I was actually looking at, I was looking at some Niall Finnegan stuff, and Niall was around, uh, obviously mentioned to him when Leitrim beat Galway. And that was seen as like a low point for Galway. So that'll just tell you, Leitrim beat the three big ones in Connacht to win the Connacht title in 94. That would be a nice game to review. Problem is, it's not on YouTube, but I might try and find uh, try and find it um, somewhere and we'll take it from there. Right, Connor, we'll ta- I'll talk to you and we'll see you on Monday. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they will get what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.